Let's stand and we're going to read one verse, Isaiah 5, verse 20, and then you can be seated the rest of the time. And uh, right before we read it, let me tell you that uh, just to let you know what goes on on Wednesday nights, we're giving you a free tape of last Wednesday's service. That's free. That may be the only free thing you get all week long. So I've already uh, forewarned them that I'm going to say this. Uh, they've got the CDs ready. You can walk out of here with a free CD, listen to it, because we're going through the book of Philippians, and I want you to, to, to hear what, if you're not coming, if you're, what you're missing, because you're missing. If you can be here, there's nothing on that television that's better than church, not anything. So let's read now. I'm continuing the series, America at the Crossroads, Isaiah 5, verse 20. America at the crossroads, we're talking today about a wolf in sheep's clothing. Let's read, what sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. Now the King James Version or some others would say, woe to those who say that evil is good and good is evil, dark is light and light is dark, bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. You're talking about some very confused folk there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today, and we pray for our country. We pray you will help America. We pray that you will move in America again, and we thank you for your blessing on this land, and we pray that your spirit and your word will prevail. Now, would you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, speak to my heart today. Wake me up in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you better wake up and listen. You're going to need this today. Last week we talked about America at the crossroads. I shared with you on the spiritual roots of America. We saw that America was not born an atheistic or an agnostic or an ah-spiritual country. But America was birthed not only as a nation of faith in God, but also as a Christian nation. All you've got to do is go to the founders and read them. Go back to the original documents and read them. History will tell you the truth if you look for it. We also saw that phrases like separation of church and state have been hijacked by liberal media and a liberal uh, culture to try to convince you and me that the founders never intended for Christians to be involved in government, that there is to be some kind of separation where a secular government rules and Christians are just over in some corner doing their silly little thing. No, in fact, the phrase separation of church and state originated with Thomas Jefferson, who was writing a personal letter to a church group, a Baptist group. And when he used the phrase separation of church and state, as the third president of the United States, he was simply saying, I'm going to assure you that I'm not going to allow the government to impose itself on you, the church. Now, people like the ACLU and others like them have come along and hijacked that phrase and said what Jefferson or what the, was in the Constitution, and it wasn't, but what the Constitution said was that the church was not to be involved in the government, the church was to be completely removed from it, and what are we doing in getting involved in political and public affairs when, in fact, we ought to be massively involved in political and public affairs? Moving on from there to today, I want to talk about a wolf in sheep's clothing. 
I stand before you uh, more concerned about my country than I have ever been in my 55 years of life. I'm very concerned about America. I see America at a crossroads, hence the title of this series. Now, in this verse that we read, when Isaiah says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, and right wrong and wrong right, and pure bitter and bitter pure, Isaiah is addressing God's people who had gone into captivity, and in verse 20, he's giving them one of the reasons why they had gone into captivity. Something dramatic had happened in their thinking, in the way they viewed life and viewed God and viewed the world. Something had happened. They say what is right is wrong, and what is wrong is right. Uh, Israel's morals and ethics and judgment had literally turned upside down, topsy-turvy. They walked in total spiritual darkness. They had gotten so confused, so mixed up, so led astray, so detoured and so deterred from God that now what God had clearly said was wrong, they were saying was right, and what God had said was right, they were saying was wrong. These are God's covenant people, not Gentiles, not the heathen, but God's covenant people. Now, I want to point out today how in the world this happened. How did this happen to God's people? I'm going to tell you how it happened. They had rejected God's word as a nation. Now, I'm going to say that again. They had rejected God's word as a nation and trusted their own reasoning to be their guide. Now understand with me today that the Bible places mankind in a fallen condition. And because of that fallen condition, our ability to discern spiritual truth, to discern holiness and righteousness, to make perfect decisions was skewed, was warped, was affected, was altered. And that's why we need the Word of God. And so the Bible places us in the position of not being able to make good decisions of morality and ethics and righteousness and so on apart from the guidance and the help of the Word of God. So God said to them when they rejected His Word, when they turned aside His counsel, He said to them, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe to you. Now, this, this tendency to go this direction was chronic with Israel. Matter of fact, when you read the book of Judges, which is a, a, a chronicle of their constant backslidings, constant failings, constant getting off track from God and from God's will, the book of Judges sums up their problem in one verse. And here's what it says. In those days, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. When that begins to happen to an individual, when that begins to happen to a nation, trouble is down the road. When you begin to try to navigate your way through life apart from the clearly revealed word and will of God, leaning on your own reasoning, leaning on your own judgment, I guarantee you, you're going to have some problems because you're not going to be involved in good decision making. 
That's why the Proverbs war, war, uh, encourage us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. So it takes a level of humility as a man or as a woman, as a young person, to bow down before God and say, God, I need your help. I need your counsel. I need your guidance. I need your wisdom. I need you to shine light on my path. Lord, I'm stumbling. I'm tripping. I'm falling. I need some help. But when you say that and you pray that way, God answers and God guides you and God blesses you. So it's true for a person and it's true for a nation. Paul describes the same thing, the same dilemma, when he's talking about the ancient world that had walked away from God. He says, although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor choose to retain God in their thinking. And when they did not choose to retain God in their thinking, it says they became futile in their thoughts. You know what futile is? It's the picture of a, uh, in your thoughts, you're on a hamster's wheel. You're thinking and thinking and getting nowhere. You're thinking and you're getting nowhere. You're not arriving at logical, good, sound conclusions. You're spinning nowhere. Futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. When you put God out of your thoughts, when you put the Word out of your life, when you put God out of your life, I guarantee you there's only one way to go, and that is into spiritual darkness as a person or as a nation. Now, this belief that you can reject God's Word. It's a belief. I can reject God's Word. That's a belief. The belief that you can remove God from your life and lean on your own reasoning to get by is what I want to call a wolf in sheep's clothing. The wolf in our generation in sheep's clothing is not a person. It's a thing. It's not a person. It's a philosophy. It's not a person. It's a belief. It is the belief that I don't need God. We don't need God. We've got our riches. We've got our oil. We've got our money. We've got our modernity. We have got everything we need. We don't need God. We've got our human reason. We've got our human logic. We're bright. We're smart. We've been to college. We don't need God. The Bible says when you say that, you have chosen the way of Israel, and you have said, I'm going to live according to what is right in my own eyes. And the guarantee is that you will go into spiritual darkness. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to share, or I'm going to put a name on that belief, and you're going to recognize that name. But hang with me for just a second. Fifty years ago, it would have seemed inconceivable that America could go the way that Israel went. But we're right there at the crossroads of going where Israel went, where the nation has chosen to live according to what is right in our own eyes, having rejected the clearly revealed Word and will of God. And I'm going to tell you, if you're wondering what the Word of God is, it's right here. You held it up a little while ago. It's the Holy Bible, still the best-selling book in the history of the world. God's will is revealed in this book. And... America has just about gotten to where this book has been completely and totally rejected in the laws we pass, in what we condemn and what we excuse. We have just about gotten to the place where God's Word doesn't matter anymore at all officially as a nation. 
In the last 40 or 50 years, America has experienced a theological, philosophical earthquake. A shift that if it hadn't been an earthquake, would have been measured a 10 on the Richter scale. Like Israel, there's been an awesome shift in the way we think, in the way we reason, in the way we view people and God and life. Let me give you an example. In the 1950s, if a mom or a dad had said to their teenager before they're going out the door on a date, if you said to that teenager, mom and dad, be careful, they knew exactly what you meant. Because you and they were on the same foundation, same belief system, same convictions, same understanding of what right and wrong were. But not today. And I want to tell you, get ready. Because I'm experiencing this as a pastor. I talk to people all the time. I'm addressing many, many people right now. And I can tell you that what I consider truth, some of you do not consider truth. And I'm very aware of that. Because there has been a shift in the way that we think. And I'm going to explain it as we go on today. What dad and mom meant and the way the teenager took it may be two different things entirely. This is because what is right and wrong to that teenager may not be what is right and wrong to the parent at all. Because now, folks, we're in a nation where we are taught that right and wrong are according to what you think is right or wrong in your own eyes. Anything can be right to that teen and you not even know it. They may hear you say, be careful. You mean, watch yourself. Don't get in the back seat of that car. Don't drink. They think you mean something entirely different. Don't drive crazy. Don't get caught. There has been a shift. We are in a shift, a major philosophical theological shift in this nation. In the 1950s, America had not yet decided to remove the Ten Commandments from the school walls. God's very own top ten hit list. Listen, David Letterman stole that from God. The top ten list of rights and wrongs is the Ten Commandments. And we took them off the school walls and said, we don't need God anymore. We don't need His Word anymore. We don't need His counsel anymore. And isn't it interesting, when the commandments came off the wall, metal detectors came in. You see, we've gotten smarter than God, wiser than God, and said, we don't need God anymore. Listen, let me talk to you about the Bible. The Word of God gives you an eye a clear understanding of right and wrong. It is absolute. It doesn't change with cultures. It doesn't change with times. It does not submit to fads. It does not submit to trends. The Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Absolute right, absolute wrong. They don't change. It doesn't matter who you are, what color your skin is, how rich or poor you are, from what nation you come from. It does not matter. The Word of God is absolute. It cuts across societies, cuts across nations, cuts across people. It is the same at all times and in all places. And we reject it to our own peril. It gives us parameters, the Word of God. It gives us parameters, lines in the sand that we know we should not cross. 
Thank God for that. Even a parent says to a child, don't cross the street, you may die. It saves us from damage. It saves us from pain, destruction, sorrow, and loss. God didn't give you this book to take away the fun out of life so you won't party hardy, so you won't enjoy things. He gave you this book to protect you because you are fallen. I'm fallen. We have gotten away from God. And we would make decisions that would ruin our lives were it not for the direction of this book. David said, it's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A lamp lights your feet as they walk down a dark path. A light shines down the road into your future. The Word of God lights your feet so you don't step on the serpents and on the landmines in this world as you walk. And it also shines its bright beam down the highway of your life so that you've got a future that is clear and, 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 and distinct and safe. God's Word brings security, sanity, and safety to society. And as long as America's foundation rested on the Judeo-Christian foundation, we were the greatest nation on earth and God blessed us. And I want you to know we have been the recipients of the blessings of Almighty God for a reason. But now let me ask you a question. Do you ever get the feeling like me? <laughs> I get it about five times a day. Do you ever get the feeling like me that our culture is upside down and the inmates are running the asylum? Anybody ever get that way? Is that just me? Or does it seem like it's crazy, baby? Let me look back about 50 years when Bible foundations still existed in America. Listen to this. In the 1950s, the courts punished criminals and defended the victim. In the 1950s, you were admired by society. If you were a church-going, Bible-believing Christian. In the 1950s, television programs and movies upheld Christian values, family, and ethics. Let me give you, for instance, The Andy Griffith Show. It was one of the top-rated comedies of the early 60s. One of my favorite shows. I still watch it today. One typical episode depicted Sheriff Andy Taylor's son, Opie, accidentally shooting a bird outside his house and killing it. The entire show revolved around the guilt and the regret that Opie experienced over shooting a sparrow. The killing of the bird also grieved Andy. He thought it was a big deal. Son, you shot a bird, you killed it for no reason. And the whole show revolved around Sheriff Andy Taylor, as a dad, teaching his son the value of life after shooting an innocent sparrow. An entire 30-minute network program was dedicated to showing the value of life of a sparrow. I don't need to compare that to today's flood of hundreds of violent, explicit, bloody murders committed daily on our right is wrong and wrong is right and upside down is right side up network programming. Yeah. 
It's like who can watch it anymore and be full of the Spirit of God? In the 1950s, nativity scenes graced public squares everywhere without threat. The Pledge of Allegiance was recited every day at school by children who said, One nation under God. Billy Graham was a national hero, and prayers were offered at high school and college graduations in Jesus' name without a ripple of protest. But that was before the foundations were removed. You see, the Bible says that if the foundations be removed, what can the righteous do? There is a shaking and a rattling that goes on. There is a shifting below the surface of the morality and philosophy and ethics of a nation when the foundation is removed. I showed you last week that our foundation was God, the Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the ethics and the morals of the Judeo-Christian tradition. But then came the flood. Then came the attack. The philosophical, theological attack that whipped out from under us that foundation. And right now there is a battle going on. Are we going to seize that foundation, get it back, put it back in place, or is it going to be taken forever and America forever altered? And I'll tell you where it comes down to the church. If my people who are called by my name will pray, humble themselves, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. See, all these things that were there in the 50s, and I'm certainly not saying the 50s were ideal or utopian. They weren't. But the foundation was there. That was before the wolf in sheep's clothing got into the house. Here's a principle, and I want you to remember this. When a nation rejects one philosophy, it will always be replaced by another philosophy. There will never be a vacuum for long. When one philosophy is rejected, another one will always be embraced. And the wolf in sheep's clothing, which I repeat, is the belief that God and His Word can be rejected in favor of living according to what is right in your own eyes, that wolf has a name you're going to recognize. It's called political correctness. Oh, yeah. Now, in case you're wondering, oh, by the way, political correctness is a religion. It's the new religion of America. It comes complete with its own code of ethics and its own number one commandment. And Jesus had a commandment. He said, love one another even as I have loved you. That was his commandment. What is the number one commandment of political correctness? Thou shalt not offend. Remember that. Let me give you a definition of political correctness. Political correctness is the attempt to minimize, at all costs, offending another person according to gender, race, handicap, or a few other categories. The supposed goal of PC, I'm going to call it PC the rest of this time. The goal of PC, supposedly, is to be sensitive to others so that we do not offend others so that we don't offend them according to race or according to gender or according to being handicapped or several other reasons. So the whole, the whole warp and woof of PC is don't offend. That's the philosophy of PC, don't offend. We don't want to offend people. Now to me, on the face value, that sounds noble. That's great. Wow, sounds loving. 
Don't offend anyone. It even sounds Christian. And a lot of Christians have bought into it. If I'm a real Christian, I won't offend people. I will walk on glass around people. I will not share my true convictions around people. Because I don't want to offend anyone because that's the Christian thing. Political correctness is the wolf in sheep's clothing. The sheep's clothing is it looks Christian, seems loving, seems sensitive, seems like you're being thoughtful of others. But you know what? To not offend people is the last thing Christianity is and ever has been. Watch this. The prophets all offended their listeners with truth, and they got, a, they got thrown in jail for it and martyred for it. John the Baptist was beheaded for offending an adulterous king. Jesus was called a rock of offense. Offended people crucified Jesus. Why were they offended? Because he said, I am the Son of God. Excuse me, don't mean to offend you, but i got to tell you the truth. Church, I'm trying to wake us up here because there is a wolf prowling around out there and it's called political correctness, but it's really a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. It is a lie. Eleven of the twelve disciples were martyred for offending people by preaching the gospel and saying Jesus was the only way to heaven. Have you felt the bridle on you, the muzzle on you? Have you felt the, the, the hush in the room? If you dare to say in a group of people, I believe Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? Oh, how dare you say that? How can you be so narrow-minded? How can you be so ignorant? There's many ways to heaven. That's not what Jesus said. Come on, church. I'm looking forward one day to being on Larry King. Well, Jeff, tell me, do I have to believe like you? Well, Larry, let me tell you something. I can just tell you what Jesus said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Larry, and no man comes to the Father but through me. That's what he said, Larry. You chew the meat. You spit out the bones. I'm telling you what he said. Well, what about people in India? What about people in Africa? What about all them? You know, Larry, I'm not in Africa, and I'm not in India. I'm here, and you're there. And Jesus said, no man comes to the Father but through me. If you've got a problem with it, Larry, it is not me you're having a problem with. It's the words in red ink. It's the words of Christ. And church, we've got to quit being ashamed of that. It's not Christian to not offend. Now, I'm not saying you ought to go out and try to offend people. You shouldn't. I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about being obnoxious. I'm not talking about being unruly. I'm talking about simply sharing the truth that comes from the Scriptures that only Jesus, Jesus alone, shed His blood to cover our sins. Jesus alone rose from the dead. Muhammad did not die for my sins. Muhammad did not rise from the dead. Muhammad is not coming back to get me. Muhammad was not my Redeemer. Jesus was. 
Political correctness is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Let me tell you some of the things that's already done to our world. This may shock you. The first thing political correctness, PC, does is it muzzles free speech by telling you there are certain things you cannot say lest you offend. The second thing it does, it muzzles the preaching of the Word by banning certain topics that might offend someone. I don't want to wake up some Sunday in the future if PC continues to wrap its arms and its grip around the throat of America. I don't want to wake up some Sunday and know that I can't come and preach this Word as it is to people as they are. That I'm going to have to hold certain verses back because now it's law. PC condemns holding clear convictions about right and wrong. Who are you after all to judge somebody else by your convictions? You know why? Because your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. And neither one are better or superior to the other. But that's not true. There is truth that is superior to all other truth. There is a final, ultimate truth. And there are some things that pose as truth that are not. Here's the scary thing about PC. As with when any philosophy gains preeminence over a nation, it eventually works its way into its laws, where offending others actually becomes illegal. It produces thought police. It is a totalitarian philosophy. It is Marxism revisiting us in philosophical form. In Europe, people are starting to be jailed right now for saying what they think. A Christian pastor was arrested and jailed for preaching against homosexuality. The arrest of this pastor in Sweden is only a foretaste of what is to come. If homosexual advocates and their ideology gain traction in the United States and other nations... Ake Green, A-K-E, I think I'm saying that right, Ake Green, pastor of a congregation in Kalmar, Sweden, was sentenced to one month in prison on a charge of inciting hatred against homosexuals. Pastor Green was prosecuted for his sermon in a January hearing where he was found guilty of hate speech against homosexuals for a sermon where he quoted Romans 1. In Sweden right now, because of PC, biblical preaching is a crime. But you don't have to go to Sweden to find the wolf in sheep's clothing at work. You can start right here. Many of our major corporations are now requiring seminars for employees called sensitivity training. In these sessions, the employees are taught to be tolerant of all beliefs and lifestyles. Sounds good. But guess what? Tolerant usually means being made to feel that you were wrong to hold the views of right and wrong that you held. That you were wrong to feel that certain things were wrong. And you need to be brainwashed where you're thinking right. Now, if you're a Bible-believing Christian with absolute truth cemented in your soul, what do you do with these sessions? Well, in many cases, Christians are losing their jobs. They're being told, agree with us or lose your job. And it's happening in the United States of America. 
In a recent court, court case, a valedictorian in a particular college was warned by a judge that if he mentioned Jesus' name in his closing prayer, he would face six months in jail. How do you get by with that in America? Here's how. You say, we can't say the name of Jesus lest we offend the Muslims, the Jewish folks that are out there, or others. So to avoid offending, you can't say anything. But isn't that exactly what they told them in the book of Acts? We command you not to preach or teach anymore in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they went and they prayed. And God shook the building that they were in. And they went out and they preached Jesus with fire. And the whole world was changed. But there was an attempt to put lockjaw on the church then. And there's an attempt to put lockjaw on the church now. In October 2004... Eleven Christians, now known as the Philadelphia Eleven, were arrested and spent a night in jail for preaching the gospel at a gay pride event. They were charged with a hate crime under Pennsylvania law. So if I stand up and I preach Romans 1 and I say that I believe God teaches that that is a, a, a sexually sinful lifestyle, as is adultery, as is fornication, then I am hating the people to whom I'm preaching, when actually love tells somebody you've got some cancer that needs to be healed. Love tells somebody you need to repent and get it right. America at the crossroads. The wolf of PC under the mask of sensitivity and compassion for the feelings of others has now gone a long way toward outlawing free speech in a nation that was birthed in order to assure free speech. Now let me bring all this home. I have a concern as a pastor, as a Christian, as an American, and as a one of these days grandfather. Here's my concern. America is at a crossroads. I can't tell you how much I know this is true. I can't tell you the extent to which this has grabbed me in my spiritual gut, and I know I'm right. We're in a battle. What kind of nation are we going to be? Judeo-Christian in our foundation or secular, PC-driven, where there is no boundaries, there is no end, it is insanity run amok? There is an answer, and it's not too late. There is an answer. I don't want to live in a nation where upside down is right side up and right is wrong and wrong is right. There is an answer. But the door is closing. And I'm going to say this carefully. The door is closing and the church must act quickly. You. How many of you consider yourself to be a part of the church? Born again. Put it in the church of the Lord. All right. The church is going to have to act quickly. I'm going to give you some quick things real quickly. First one. Quit apologizing for being a Bible-believing Christian. Quit apologizing. Can I just go ahead and say it? Everything in the world is coming out of the closet. You might as well. (laughs) 
When I see people traipsing out on the world stage in all kinds of moral or immoral conditions and lifestyles, proud of where they are, I say, man, as a Christian, I can sure stand up and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Come on, church. Two, realize that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hey, can I tell you, I've read the back of the book, and I know who wins. The Bible says you're more than a conqueror through him who loved you. If God be for you, who can stand up against you? God always leads us in triumph through Jesus Christ. You are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, blessed in the storehouse, blessed in the field, blessed in your going out, blessed in your coming in. Number three, resist PC every time it rears its head in your presence. Lovingly, lovingly but firmly say this, that's not right. Or, I just can't agree with that. Well, why not? Well, because I get my convictions, values, ethics, and morals from the Bible. Well, <laughs> you're obviously not up to speed. Oh, I'm very up to speed. I'm going to tell you real quick, I was, I shared this on Wednesday night, I'm going to share it you, I was with a group of people last week, I, I, I love them all, most of them were strangers to me, but uh, business people, very successful people, and artistic people, and Kathy and I were in this, this gathering, and uh, I only knew two or three out of 20 or so, and so one of them who didn't know me said, oh, well, what do you do? <laughs> well, there you go. So I said, I'm a minister. Now, you would have thought, they went, oh, oh. You can feel it move through the room. Oh. Oh. And you can hear them thinking, how can I back out of this? And then somebody in the room who did know me said, oh, and he's on the radio every day. And... <laughs> this person said, oh, what station? And I said, well, 91.7 FM, it's a Christian station. And this person went, oh, well, that's okay. <laughs> As if I'd said something bad. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I said, well, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm on a Christian station. And once again, boo, 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 boo. I pulled out my radio cards and started handing them out. I said, here you go. You might want to listen. And boy, I could hear them thinking, where is the trash can? But some of them, some of them, guarantee you, got out there, Nicodemus is in the night, flipped on that station, and listened. Can we stand together? I want to release a church of soldiers and warriors and tough, 
steely-eyed, but loving Christians who are not ashamed or embarrassed or intimidated by the spirit of our age. I'm asking you to pray like you've never prayed before, that God will deliver America from the creeping shadow of PC, that he'll forgive our sin and move in revival again, that he will return us to our spiritual roots before we're in free fall and it's too late. Say with me, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Give the Lord a hand of praise today. Thank you, Lord.